0: Effective employee onboarding has been said to lead to better employee performance, and who doesn't want that, right? But how do you make employee onboarding more effective? When we come back, we'll find out.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line.
0: Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today's guest... Is Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. She's a great guest, and she's had an amazing experience with employee onboarding. She says it was a soul-crushing experience because she gave the same webinar over and over again while onboarding and training customers for a previous employer, and that inspired her to free others up from the same trap by giving them a way to automate repetitive webinars so they could get back some of their time, their productivity, Spend it on doing things that are more valuable to them. So, I'm looking forward to learning more about how automation makes onboarding new employees more effective. So, welcome to Business Confidential now, Melissa. Thanks for having me, Hannah. I love that you're on a mission to give people back their time through automation. Employee onboarding is such an important moment in time for a new employee. They're kind of fragile, they're not quite sure what's going on, excited about the opportunity. And so I appreciate that automation makes it easier for the trainer, but what about the new employee? What advantage is there for the employee?
1: Well, I think number one, maybe this isn't always, automation isn't always for everybody, right? If your company is really small, for example, when you automate that process, it might seem like you're removing something that could be personal. But let's say it's small, mid-sized companies that are still larger than 10 people, for example, There is a quality of onboarding that is attached to automating that. Because when you take the human out of that process and say you're automating it with your best video or your best video experience, for example, you're taking the best version of that and putting it in front of someone. So there's that. But the second thing is there's a lot of companies now with distributed teams more so than ever before. So somebody on your time zone can attend something that you're running But somebody halfway across the world will have to stay up in the middle of the night, for example, to attend the same employee onboarding. So we're seeing more and more of distributed teams going for automation, really because of this reason, so that people can access what we call asynchronous video content at their own time so that they can be more efficient.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see where it helps for continuity across distributed teams, which is something that is definitely helpful for the company. I'm also curious though, how does a business keep the automation from being sterile or from an employee feeling like they're being put through a cookie cutter process?
1: Well, I think what automation really allows you to do is like remove all the repetitive mundane tasks from your plate so you can spend your time more meaningfully with whether it's your employees or your customers. So automating something... And removing it from your play does not mean ignoring your team, right? It means being able to have more time and more mind share to connect more meaningfully with the people that matter. You can automate something and be there for someone at the same time. And that's what actually what the point is, is if I'm doing multiple onboardings a week, my mind is so drained from that that I don't have the energy to even think about something else. And the free time I have, I'm going to want to take that for myself. But if I'm not doing mundane work, if I'm working more creatively, then I can be more present and I can have more energy for things that require my unique attention. So I think it's really choosing what is it in your business that you can automate and where is it that you can put your unique attention like one-on-one connections. If you have a new team member, you can't have an automated process onboard them But as CEO, you can also reach out to them for a one-on-one conversation. So those two things are not mutually exclusive. One doesn't cancel the other out.
0: All right. Well, that's good to know. Besides a CEO reaching out, because in the larger companies, that may be a little bit more difficult. What are some other ways that maybe a manager or someone in human resources could personalize the experience?
1: Well, I think it's the same thing, right? Like it's whether I'm reporting to a manager, or whether I'm reporting directly to a CEO, it's making sure that when somebody new is coming on board, that they're talking to someone that they're going to be accountable to or a team that they're going to be joining. So I don't think the position matters. But as you brought up, like, yeah, for a bigger company, it is hard for a CEO to welcome each person. But that's the perfect example of something that can be automated. So my friend's company, he just told me this a couple of days ago, where The CEO personally welcomes everybody to their team, but it's through eWebinar. And then with eWebinar, you can have an asynchronous chat where when somebody is watching that experience, say, like the CEO is welcoming you to the company, you can have a direct channel to chat with the CEO. It's all text-based. So he or she can respond at their own time, even if they're not there immediately. So that's a perfect example of something that can be automated. And then from that point on, maybe a manager can reach out to them after a certain
0: time. Are there any other bells and whistles besides the chat function that can help inject the live human factor?
1: Yeah. So with any webinar, you can, so maybe just to give a bit of context of what we do, we save people from doing the same presentation over and over again by taking a video and delivering it like a webinar. So people still have a block time on their calendar. They still join at a certain time. But it's not just you watching a pre-recorded video. It does start at a certain time, but you can also program in things like questions, polls, resources that keeps the attendee engaged and also allows them to share feedback and get more resources. Another example of how that can be more interactive is, let's say employee benefits. Someone who joins a new company, there are so many questions about what are the benefits, how do I claim them, where do I go for more information. If you just go to an LMS video or WISIA video, for example, that's it. Like there's nothing more I can gain from that. And I might have a lot more questions beyond just watching this video. Within eWebinar, we allow you to deliver those resources that the person in the video is talking about so that they can go directly to those things beyond just a one-on-one chat. And it also allows you to collect information from your new team member. So things like, what do you think about this package? What else do you want to see? any other suggestions you have. So while it is automated, it is an experience that's interactive that allows you to deliver more data and also collect data back.
0: I like that collecting data piece of it. It allows certainly for more engagement with the employees that they're not just looking at a screen and that it's all just a one-way communication that there is somebody that might actually be listening to them. So that's, I really like that feature. Is there an ideal length for these training programs in your experience? Because you've done a lot of these. Coming into
1: this business, I always thought that there would be. I think there's a misconception that the shorter is better. But what I realized is a lot of presentations are really dependent on the delivery of the content and the actual content. So if it's an engaging presenter, if there's not a lot of fluff, if... They get to the point and they're energetic. I've seen onboardings that go on for an hour and a half, two hours, and people are still engaged until the end. But that's kind of where our technology also plays a big part because of all the interactivity that you can build in. Because people are not just sitting there and being talked at, there's things to do like taking the questions, the polls, filling in contact forms and things like that. People tend to stay until the end, because it's more of a two-way participatory experience. But that's a very long answer to, it really does not depend on the length. It depends on like how valuable the content is in front of me and how engaging the presenter is.
0: Well, that's good to know. As far as the content goes, is that something that the company is exclusively responsible for, or do you help them create content? Because I know you've been so involved with the employee onboarding process, so you certainly know a lot about it and what makes a good one, what makes a not-so-good one, and how to have a more effective onboarding process besides just automation part of it. How much do you get involved with the content?
1: We don't touch that piece at all. We are 100% strictly the software that delivers the content for our customers, And the reason for that is we can't pretend that we are experts in content that's specific to a company. We do give suggestions as to where they can add interactivity as it relates to the software and based on what they say. We do make suggestions to that, but not the actual production of the content itself. Because if you're in a company, then you know your culture best, you know your product best, and you know your team members best. So that's not really a place that we can intervene, but we definitely can help you with creating the most engaging and interactive experience. We also give recommendations on how to make your video more interactive if it's recorded for evergreen, because there is a difference between somebody live that's one-on-one, where people are asking questions and you're responding live, and a video that's meant to be evergreen where nobody is responding in real time.
0: So do those that tend to be evergreen, where nobody is really interacting, tend to be shorter? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And actually, that's one of the reasons why people stay longer is because they just get to the point, right? There's no housekeeping. There's no people interrupting. There's no Q&A at the end. It's just a lot more efficient. And because you're learning from so many people giving you feedback, whether it's suggesting through the chat or seeing what they ask over time, you can take all that feedback and put it into your new presentation. So I would say that It's also a lot shorter because if you design an evergreen video script properly, you would also address all the objections up front because you know that you're not going to be able to respond live in real time all the time. So a great evergreen presentation already addresses all the objections as much as they can up front, such that the content can be tighter, it can be shorter, and really just more engaging for the person that's watching.
0: Anticipating their questions, building it in. That definitely, A, makes it more powerful and more persuasive and tighter, for sure. Besides the onboarding process, what other types of employee training programs have you frequently seen this type of technology used?
1: It's not just the onboarding, but it's almost like a parallel track. So there's a lot of ongoing education for team members. So you can think about insurance as an industry, for example, Products and regulations are always changing. Mortgage, like same thing. So if you've got agents that are distributed, say, not even around the world, say around the U.S., and as these regulations are always changing, how do you make sure that your team members that are representing you and your company are constantly kept up to date? When people run live webinars, that's great, but most people can't make that time. So to give you an example, a lot of people like to do webinars Tuesday at eleven my Tuesday 11 is not your Tuesday 11. And if I have a client at that time, I'm going to miss it. And I'm not going to be able to get that content. When you make this kind of training content on demand, not only are you making it easy for you, the host, so you don't have to repeat it over and over again, you're also lessening the support for your success team. But you're also allowing more and more of your team members to get educated at their own time. That's like Ongoing like product education is definitely a
0: place that where this is used the most. How about applications that are outside of human resources? Yeah, so our biggest use case is actually customer success.
1: So not internal training, but actually external training. So a lot of customer onboarding, customer education. It's the same use, I guess, one is internal, one is external. So you can imagine as soon as you onboard a new or find a new deal, it's kind of the first day of the beginning of your life with that customer. So the more they get educated or the faster they get educated about your company and your product, the more likely they're going to stay. But as your company and your products change, you also want to provide that education for your customers as well. Another use case is sales and marketing. Lots of lead generation departments, lines of business will leverage something like eWebinar to automate their top of the funnel sales pitches so that their salespeople aren't doing the same sales presentation, the same sales demo over and over again. It just means that The leads that come in are pre-educated and ready to close if by the end of that presentation they want to reach out to a salesperson. So it's really about shortening the time to get educated on something so that they can take the next step, whether it's an employee, whether it's a customer, or whether it's a prospect.
0: In your experience, Melissa, are there some myths about automated webinars that need to be exploded, assumptions that people make that are just wrong?
1: I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> because, and this is one of our biggest challenges, right? Like automated webinars existed before eWebinar. It just was never done in this particular way. It was almost like there were some solutions that were built 10, 15 years ago that never really got updated. And so I say that because it just means that it's not a concept that's very popular yet. Anytime you don't have a concept that people just know of right away, you're going to have some misconceptions and objections that you have to overcome. The biggest objection that we have to overcome is live is better. Like if I'm not there responding to you and you don't see me, then it's not as good. But that's just wrong because that's almost like saying, I can't watch Friends unless it's live. I mean, when was the last time we watched a TV show live? I mean, that was a long time ago, like maybe 10 plus years ago. What people care about is the quality of the content and accessibility of the content. So if you come to me and you want to buy a webinar, you come to my website and you want a demo you just want a demo. You don't care if I'm telling you that or my colleague is telling you that. So I think the biggest misconception is, oh, I have to be live in front of our customer because that's what they expect. It's not that's what they expect. It's what they know today. So that's really the biggest misconception is you actually don't have to be live in order for your team member or your customer or your prospect to see value from the content you deliver. In fact, people nowadays are requiring more and more on-demand content, and nobody really wants to speak to a salesperson or somebody live unless they have to. So that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now. But hopefully we will see that switch because that's good for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's interesting. And your point about wanting to hear directly from a salesperson, people don't want to be pressured. They maybe want to gather some information first before they decide whether they're ready to take the next step or whether it makes sense. And the live versus online or automated is, to me, also sounds like the difference between seeing a play in the theater versus going to the movies.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just think about the last time your phone rang. Like, were you nervous about that? Like, why do I have to pick up this call? (laughs) Why didn't you text me? Did something serious happen? (laughs) <laughs> and, then, you know, if I pick up this call, I can't do something else. Like, that's kind of the way that the world has shifted. And it is funny that way. Like, it's exactly what you said is when I want to go buy something, I'm going to maybe ask a friend for their advice. I want to do some online research. Like, I'm not going to go call up the salesperson because I know I'm never going to be able to get rid of them. But it's, that's just the way we communicate. And I think the companies that understand that the most are the companies that are going to have a
0: massive advantage
1: over their competitors.
0: Do you find that that method of communication maybe is due to generational differences? I think there's an element of that, but I think it's just the way technology has evolved.
1: Like we live on our phones, like my grandma's 102, and she is constantly texting on her iPad. And I get that that's a very specific case. But it's just the technology that allows us to do things like this. Now, it's the same thing as Netflix. I don't want to go to a movie theater. I want to go and go to my Apple TV or see what's available for rent. Or I want to go to Netflix and press play because I can do it at my own time. And yes, like sometimes there's a special event and maybe I'll go to the theater. But those times are also changing. I mean, there is some argument to say about like, oh, but that's just consumer. But aren't we all consumers? Like, I think there's such a disconnect between how we consume business content versus how we consumer content. Like why should those things be different? Those things should be completely aligned. And I think that business like b two b is probably lagging behind a little bit, but I do think that it's going to catch up because your team members matter, like matter more, right? Retention is getting harder and harder. So you have to listen to how people want to be spoken to and how people want to consume information if you want to stay competitive.
0: Interesting. I'm learning things here from you. So this is good. And I'm sure my audience will as well. So thank you, Melissa. I definitely appreciate your time. And I've learned a lot here about automated training, especially with respect to creating effective employee onboarding, which is so important because when people don't get started on the right foot, it could just impact the trajectory of their career at a given company tremendously more than some business owners and managers realize. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about automated webinars, whether you're creating an effective employee onboarding process, some type of sales training or other educational program, Melissa's contact information can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. So please be sure to tell all your business friends about the show and leave a positive review. Because the more you dive into all of our past episodes and follow the show, the more you'll be able to see issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line and be able to use those tips and strategies to grow your company. And that's Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hasel kelchner at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.